Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, 400 episodes, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. I can't thank you enough for listening. I hope you're listening. I hope that uh, you're learning something along the way here. As you know, I, I cover a great deal of things. It, of course, is foundationally rooted in education and the brainwashing system that we have all been exposed to our entire lives and that we were born into. At least three generations. The 20th century was an absolute nightmare. Uh, and again, having been born in 1981, that was an interesting time to grow up, without a doubt. It was a lot of fun, uh, but it was very educational, to say the least. And it continues to be so, but only by the grace of God have I woken up and uh, been able to see things clearly. And of course, that came as a result from basically going to hell and back in the education system. But I'm still here to tell it, and I'm still here to tell the story. And I know many of you are too, which is great. So I hope you continue to listen to this show, continue to share it wherever you can. I'd love to grow the audience. I'm not big on marketing. You know, I've, I've, it's never been a forte of mine, nor have I ever been a fan of it. I've always thought that authenticity sells itself. And authenticity spreads itself, and, and the truth, of course, does the exact same thing because that's what authenticity is. So I just hope that you share these episodes wherever you can. Of course, I'd just share them a couple of places, but spread the word as best you can. And uh, again, thank you for listening, and I greatly appreciate it. Okay. I want to start with this. I've got a great deal of things here, and I'm going to end on some positive notes because there's a lot going on militarily. But first, I've got some uh, some education things to to bring up without a doubt. The, uh, the The first thing is this: yesterday it was interesting to watch some of these boards that I pay attention to, and again, a lot of social media. Uh, my school board talk from back on August sixteenth of twenty twenty one was making the rounds yesterday. Not an accident, I don't think. It was all over Telegram again. It was on. Twitter again bouncing around, uh, and a, a few other boards again that I pay attention to. It was sort of pinned at the very top of those boards, which I thought was, again, pretty cool. And I hope, again, that people learn something from that and continue to learn something from that. And uh, people like Robert Malone continue to be exposed for the people that they are. Uh, you know, there's a couple of things in that school board meeting that I, that I want to continue to clarify for those that aren't aware. And first of all, I, I should mention this. I, I think that it's sad, again, that people don't do their due diligence and they still think that I'm a medical doctor. I never said I was a medical doctor. And they, of course, misspell my name. It's S-E-A-N, not S-H-A-U-N or A-W-N or whatever else. It's spelled the correct way. No offense to the other ways, but you know what I mean. And uh, yeah, so very quickly, though, regarding Robert Malone. He sat on a board just the other day, again, one of the, another one of those roundtables with these doctors, quote-unquote, who all believe that viruses are real, and Ron Johnson, Senator Ron Johnson was there, of course, and they're going around the horn, and they're talking about mRNA and the jabs and this, that, and the other. Again, I'm not hearing people say straight up that no one should take these ever under any circumstance. They're always narrowing it down to particular age groups. And as we know, they're fearful of losing their licenses. 
They're fearful of these medical boards coming after their, their medical license as if that matters in this day and age. And it does not matter anymore. The licensure scam, even in the field of education, which you've heard me mention, is a problem. It is quite literally an albatross that hangs over every single person who holds one. And it's basically, I don't want to say a blackmail tool, but it kind of is. It's a tool that is used against the individual who holds the licensure in order to say, again, it's the long arm of government, basically saying, play ball or else. Play ball or else we will make all of your degrees that you've acquired over the course of years useless because if you don't have this one teeny piece of paper that the state or the country says that you need to have in order to practice your particular profession, then you're finished. So play ball by our rules or else. Therein lies the problem. The very, the, the very existence of that is the problem. So I want to reiterate this very quickly again because I, I said this back at the time, but it's been a long time since, at least a year and a half now. Uh, when I opened up that speech with Robert Malone by saying Robert Malone said that you should never take these shots ever and he was the one that created it. He's still not backing away from he's the one who created the messenger RNA. His story, of course, is that it was manipulated and used in a way that he, that he didn't intend. Well, that's for anyone's guess. But one week after I said what I said publicly, and then, of course, the video was seen by endless people, is Robert Malone was essentially flushed out of the shadows and into the limelight. And he found himself one week later after my talk on Fox News on Tucker Carlson, where he said that young people shouldn't take the shots because there's no benefit, I believe was his exact phrasing. There's no benefit, but the elderly can take it. And then, of course, he mentioned that he himself was allegedly jab-injured himself. You see, this tightrope that they walk is a problem for me. I mean, I should have referenced Dr. Mike Yeadon, the former vice president of Pfizer. He, he came to my defense. I didn't need him to, but he did anyway on Telegram after my school board speech. And, um, you know, said that this is a plausible outcome, a dire, a dire prediction and a plausible outcome of things to come. It's something that people need to pay attention to down the line. He was right. I should have started off the speech, though, by, by reiterating what even he said. Because he was, he was taking more of a hard line than Dr. Malone was, which is no one should take these under any circumstance. He, of course, has gotten even harder on that stance, which is great, because he sees the bigger picture of depopulation, because that's what this is all about. This is not about um, you know, a medical mistake, quote-unquote. It is depopulation. That is the agenda. The agenda has been written about for a very long time probably since the beginning of time, and this is one of their methods, and it's, and it's working, unfortunately. So I wanted to reiterate the mistakes that were made with, again, me referencing Dr. Malone at the top of that. I should have said someone else. I, I don't like Robert Malone. I never will. I don't have to know the man personally. I just know that if you play with poison in a lab, you know, and you're making money off of that, there's something wrong with you. That's my personal opinion. I'm entitled to that, but uh, I just wanted to sort of start off by saying that. Okay, 
I want to shift gears here because, again, very quickly, legally speaking, the America First Legal, which of course is run by Stephen Miller, who was in the Trump administration, uh, you know, they're doing some pretty decent work and they're pushing back legally and they're shutting some things down. I just wanted to read this headline very quickly in a couple of paragraphs from America First Legal. It says, Major victory Biden administration disbands illegal and partisan parents' counsel after they sue, after AFL sues. Uh, This was on December 5th. It said, Today, in a major victory for parents across the country, the Department of Education announced that it's disbanding their illegal National Parents and Families Engagement Council following a lawsuit filed by America First Legal, Parents Defending Education, and Fight for Schools and Families. In July, AFL Parents Defending Education and Fight for Schools and Families sued the Department of Education and Secretary Miguel Cardona for creating the Council in Violation of the Federal Advisory Committee Act, or FACA. FACA provides specific requirements for the federal government to follow when it sets up committees or advisory councils to provide advice or information. Those requirements include, among other things, ensuring that there is adequate public notice of a committee's activities and that it is fairly balanced and free from inappropriate influence. AFL and its partners sued the Biden administration for failing to follow those requirements when it established the council. I'm going to leave it there. What they were trying to do as the Department of Education in creating their councils, ladies and gentlemen, is a Bolshevik tactic. I say Bolshevism specifically because that's what it is. Miguel Cardona is not Jewish, but he's a Bolshevik, certainly, and he he acquired their tactics over the course of time to create a council of like-minded individuals for the purpose of attacking other individuals, smearing them, destroying them, discrediting them, whatever you want, ruining their careers and livelihoods is a Bolshevik tactic. It dates back to, again, Bolshevism and the creation of Bolshevism. This is what Vladimir Lenin did. This is what Stalin did. You name it. And, uh, and it's illegal. And you, and you can't you can't, I mean, you can do things like that, unfortunately, and, and it still does occur. But when you're associated with the United States government, this is where it becomes remarkably nefarious. And it, and it again, according to America First Legal, it's illegal. So they got caught. My problem will continue to be, why is it that these individuals who try to do something illegal they get sued, they get caught for doing something illegal, and then they back down from it. Why aren't they held accountable then? Because they've been caught trying to do something that's illegal. Now, charge them with a crime, arrest the people, or find them to the point where they have to become destitute. I mean, that's what needs to happen. Instead, it just becomes this legal battle where people just argue back and forth among lawyers and go, all right, all right, we'll back down from our Bolshevik tactics and we won't have our committee that was going to ostracize people and push forth a one-world government on every school and train of thought. They don't do that. 
I mean, they, they do those things, but they don't they don't follow through appropriately the way that we would like to see it done, which is the real definition of justice, not their perverted version of the definition, but actual justice. You tried something illegal, you got caught, now you pay the price. If anybody else in any other line of work attempts something illegal, what happens to them? We know what happens to them. And that's going to kind of be the thread throughout this entire episode because I have endless examples here, very recent examples in both education and business that have to do with people not thinking, following the hive mind, doing things that are illegal, not accepting responsibility, and then what? And they expect what to happen further down the line. Bad things are going to happen. And much of it, as you would expect, is jab-related, but it's also education-related as well. So there's that. I, I, uh, I certainly wanted to bring up that America First legal thing because it's good. Again, it caught them, but I would prefer a little more follow-up because, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's an issue. Here's another issue. Um, a lot of the Kanye West stuff that, of course, he, he's been doing and saying and, and whatever else and, and sharing his opinions on a variety of things. As you've heard me say on this show, history is one of the most perverted subjects that exists. And when, when a bomb like that is thrown, where someone like him with the national attention that, that he has and the associations that he has had over the course of time, draw attention from numerous outlets, the scum is going to rise to the top, and you're going to see it. And I, and I want to bring this individual up because, again, this is my opinion, and I'm exercising my First Amendment right, and I get to do that. Uh, published on the outlet amgreatness.com, American Greatness, so to speak, Dennis Prager decided to write an article. I'm not a fan of Dennis Prager, and this could be Exhibit A. It could replace previous exhibits uh, A, B, and C, but this is Exhibit A. On December 6th, he published an article titled, quote, If the Holocaust deniers don't go to hell, there is no God. Subtitle, Holocaust Denial is not only a big lie, it is pure Jew hatred and a slap in the face of all Americans who died fighting the Nazis, by Dennis Prager, December 6th, 2022. Now, I'm not going to read the article. It is beyond absurd. It's filled with false pictures. At least two are in it. That uh, that are beyond misleading. I, I you know, wh wh where do you even begin with this? Dennis Prager is funded by endless individuals who have an agenda, and someone on Gab said it perfectly, which is that among these individuals who are not willing to investigate historic fact and question particular things i.e. the Holocaust in this particular example, that not only are they exhibiting the Dunning-Kruger effect, 
And if you haven't looked that up, again, it has to do with individuals who are certain that they're right. And that is, that is then what they know, and anybody who says otherwise is wrong. Whereas the expert in a particular area would question everything all of the time and then ultimately arrive at a singular answer. But Dennis Prager can't do that because he's put all of his chips into the Holocaust basket, as have many individuals. It's worth noting, there are endless individuals of Jewish lineage who know that the story of the Holocaust is fake. That's true. That is a fact. Not to mention the number of books that have been written describing, again, all of the investigations into it and how it just is not what people believe it to be. Uh, the name itself is made up out of thin air. I believe the translation of the word means burned offerings, and it started long before the 1940s and the 1930s, even back in the 19-teens, if, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was some of the first times that the word Holocaust was, was published in new, major newspapers around the country. To make a statement like this, though, that Dennis Prager is saying, if Holocaust deniers don't go to hell, there is no God. He's been told to say it, or he actually believes it. Either way, he's not bright. Because the bright person, again, would question endless things. You can, you can falsify photographs all day long. And one of the major mistakes, of course, although it was intentional, is that the Holdemore, which was the largest mass killing of people that has existed up until, of course, probably right now with, with the shots, had to do with, again, Jewish Bolshevism and Stalin starving their own people by taking control of the farmlands, taking control of distribution, etc., etc. As a result of all of that, they starve their own people. When you take pictures of starving people, and you put it in an article about the Holocaust, you're progressing a false narrative. That would be like, again, well, there are endless, ex <laughs> there are endless examples. I'm not going to try to make a comparison. The point is, is that endless pictures have been falsified for the purpose of propaganda. And if you weren't there when the photo was taken, and you don't know the individuals who were there and everything that took place, then you're just perpetuating a lie. But that's Dennis Prager, in a nutshell. And if you question it, what, what does he want to do? He wants, and people of his ilk, they, they want to talk to you as if you're the wrong person and then convince you that you are, in fact, the wrong person. I would love to talk with Dennis Prager sometime, and I would like to say, so you're certain you're right. And he'd say, well, of course. And I'd say, well, I'm certain I'm right. Now what? Now, now what do we do? It's, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting, you know, sinking your feet into the ground and, and, and understanding again that there's always more to learn. But when one side is incapable of wanting to learn more, therein lies the fraud. Therein lies the behavioral fraud, the individual fraud, and then, of course, the collective money fraud, because if Dennis Prager were to question anything, he'd be finished.
that'd be the end of him. But he's going to live his whole life believing things that aren't real, make money off of that, like a vulture, and then, uh, you know, do whatever he does. But moments like what Kanye has done, moments like that, no different than, again, somebody speaking at a school board meeting or a doctor showing up and blowing the lid off of something else or a nurse showing up at a city council meeting or a board meeting and blowing the lid off of this, that, or the other regarding the shots. It dumps cold water on everybody. And then the scum just rises right to the top. So I wanted to just make mention of that. It's an absolute abomination of an article. He should be ashamed of himself. He won't because he's caught in his own lie. He doesn't know it's a lie. And if you were to show him all the proof in the world, his powers of cognitive dissonance would kick in. And that would be the end of that. So I wanted to make mention of that because, again, it's... It's a massive, uh, it's a massive problem, and it's not going to be a problem that necessarily goes away. The only thing that we can do is hopefully diminish their audiences with the truth, and just continue to sp spread the truth about a great many things. So give Europa the last battle a watch. It's on BitChute, nine part series. Watch that. Of course, somebody like Dennis Prager wouldn't even watch it, and somebody like Dennis Prager would cast it off as being propaganda. But being dismissive like that is a characteristic of the Dunning-Kruger effect among those who are so certain they have it all right, when in fact they probably don't. All right, here's the next thing, uh, and this will lead into sort of a, a, a final education topic-related phenomenon that is occurring and going to continue to occur, and it's an absolute travesty that it is occurring, but it's not going to stop. You may recall that in China, if you've seen the video of the individuals, again, government officials or medical, uh, medical officials, so to speak, uh, you know, going up and down the streets of, of China and, or Beijing or wherever they're doing this and, and spraying everything with, you know, they're carrying the backpacks and, and the long hoses and the long wands and they're just hosing everything down. Cicely from New Mexico sent me a, a text thread the other day, and apparently this was happening in her school with regularity, and it was happening, I believe she said, on a daily basis, that the custodians would put on gas masks, or at the very least something to cover their mouth and nose, put on backpacks with the hose and the wand, and they would spray everything down, and then told the teachers to take home their cups and any papers and whatever else that, you know, that they thought that was important that they didn't want to get sprayed down. So what's happening on the, on the streets of China was happening in American schools over the last couple of years. And allegedly, it's, it's happening again where, where she used to teach. Again, it used to be a daily thing, and then they knocked it down to just a few times, a, you know, a few times a week, and then a couple of times, and then they just did away with it, but now it's made a comeback. Th this lack of thinking is so problematic that the individuals who are guilty, again, are going to come face to face with their decisions that they've made in the past. And it is without a doubt that it's going to hit them like a freight train. 
all the quote-unquote advice that they gave people, all of the medical advice, and again, something like walking around the hallways of a school and spraying things down. The insanity of that is is such a deep-seated inability to think on the part of the individual doing it that when the truth comes out and becomes normalized, which it's already happening and will only get better with time, those individuals cannot be taken seriously ever again regarding anything. Now, I fully understand, again, MKUltra, Operation Mockingbird, all of it's taken over endless generations and endless people. But an inability for a person to pay attention to the people who disagree with what they are doing, with, with what they themselves are doing, and then try to make some kind of a comparison or start to question things like, hey, wait a minute, people over here aren't wearing backpacks and spraying things down. Why am I doing it? That inability to make that connection and, and, and make those questions within one's own mind, you can't fix that. You just can't. That's, that's too deep-seated of a problem. So that leads me to this. I watched the last school board meeting in the local school district where I live, which of course is the same place where I gave my talk, but this happened again less than a month ago was their board meeting. And the inability to think and the inability to pay attention to facts and then manipulate those facts and gaslight people and I don't think they're smart enough to actually gaslight. I think that they're they're doing it unknowingly. Uh, they're they're just stupid, and they and they don't know that they're actually rationalizing away their own participation in things that are not what they seem. That this is happening across every school district in the United States of America, and certainly at the university level. So here's basically what I wanted to mention. In that particular board meeting, there were two presentations that were given to the board by school employees. There were actually three. One of them had to do with STEM, which is an abomination, and uh, the people who engage in STEM don't even know what the origins of STEM are. I've been over it before in the past. I'm not going to rehash it, but it's not good. Uh, the, the point is, is that one of the presentations was given by the athletic director. Now, normally you would think that this would be such an innocuous presentation and the fall sports season has come to a conclusion and here the athletic, you know, the athletic director is showing up and they're, you know, again, giving a presentation about the number of awards that were given and how people succeeded or didn't or X, Y, Z. Here's how he starts off his presentation. He starts off his presentation, and again, th this matters because it leads to the bigger presentation that followed, which, <laughs> which I'm going to mention because it's too funny. But this one was bad enough. The athletic director gave a presentation, showed all the different sports clubs that exist within their high school, showed pictures of all of the teams, showed all of their records, their win-loss records but started off the presentation by saying it was a successful sports fall season, that everybody worked hard and it was remarkably successful. The word successful was used constantly. 
I, I don't think I have enough fingers and toes to count that high. And then he proceeded to show slides of each sports team. And ladies and gentlemen, each sports team had a losing record, except for maybe the girls' volleyball team. And that was about it. If memory serves, every other single sports team had a losing record. And when I say losing, I don't mean, you know, the, the boys' football team had a, you know, a, a, a whatever, an, an eight and nine record. They went eight and nine, eight wins, nine losses. No, no, no. It was like one win, 12 losses, five wins, 15 losses. It was it was a it was a losing record for every single sport, except for girls volleyball. He was trying to pass that off as being successful, quote unquote. Now, jokes on him, and and the people who participate because bread and circus is a purposeful distraction. It doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. In the amount of time that they are spending playing games, they could be spending time learning who rules over them. They could be spending time asking themselves questions, reading, heaven forbid, they pick up a book, a variety of other things. But for the athletic director to show up and say it was a successful year, if that's your benchmark for success is a humiliating losing season among all of your sports programs except for one, your priorities are backwards. And you're attempting to gaslight people into believing something that's not real. Now, with that aside for a minute, it spills over into the next presentation that was given, which was an abomination. And I need to preface this by saying this. I met this woman on one occasion. We may have shaken hands. I, I don't recall that. But school districts will hire a health and wellness coordinator, quote-unquote. These individuals are responsible, as you might expect, for spreading propaganda. They don't believe it to be propaganda because they don't know what propaganda is, let alone that it would actually exist within an American K-12 school. So, the health and wellness coordinators throughout America over the last two and a half years were instrumental in pushing everything that has happened on American society to date. These individuals, much like the school nurses, are very responsible for the illness, the death, and the lack of knowledge that exists within American K-12 schools, universities, communities, quote-unquote, if you want to use that word, pick one. It, it really does not matter. I met this woman a number of years ago, and I believe I brought this story up before, so my apologies for the repetition. It was a, it was a, it was a political meeting that occurred in the town where I live, where the county prosecutor was showing up and he was running for re-election, and he was giving a talk to a small group of conservatives about um, drug use, we'll say, heroin use, methamphetamine, you name it. This prosecutor's solution to increase drug use, and this was back in 2014, his solution was, we need to have more t-shirts and more rubber bracelets. 
that are that have slogans on them and PSAs and if we can if we can do that collectively together then that will decrease drug use it's the most asinine thing i've ever heard in my life as you would expect the K12 school district wellness coordinator loved the idea they loved it i was sitting right behind them and as i was sitting behind them to my left was the superintendent of the school district there were at least two police officers in the building somebody from uh, the Tri-County newspaper, and then some old folks who were there to just listen to this individual talk. I, of course, leaned into the person during the Q&A session, and I basically said, you have no idea what you're doing. Rubber bracelets and t-shirts aren't going to fix jack shit. You can't solve this problem. You're talking about the CIA, the FBI. These are the individuals moving drugs into our country. You've got a university in the town where we live, that eliminated their health education program. You don't have mandatory health education at the state level in Ohio. And you think that rubber bracelets and t-shirts are the solution. And then again, he rambled on about some story that he had with a drug addict where he took him to Denny's and they had a nice time and, you know, he learned a lot and whatever else. And I thought to myself, this guy's got his head so far up his ass that uh, he can't, he just can't be helped. But people were clamoring to hear this guy talk and supporting all of it. And I thought to myself, am I, am I the only one in this room who, uh, who knows what the hell is going on, both locally and nationally? I mean, honest to God, it blew me away. But the wellness coordinator was soaking it in. So fast forward to 2020, when the schools locked down, the wellness coordinator in the school district where I live, and keep in mind, this happened everywhere. They kicked into high gear because they thought to themselves, this is our opportunity. This is our opportunity to take the lead and be heard and be seen and people will take our advice and now we can play medical doctor. Even though medical doctors can't play medical doctor accurately, but we as a wellness coordinator and propaganda pushers, we will take the lead and people will rely on us for the truth. So what happened? You had mask rollouts. You had yard signs pop up in people's yards telling people to wear masks. Contact the health and wellness coordinator for more information. Uh, just it, it was endless. Emails, posters, T-shirts, rubber bracelets, all of it. Pictures in the newspaper of all of them wearing masks. Normalizing the insanity among youth and preparing them to go back to school in the fall of 2020, full bore with masks being worn. This was their approach. This is what they did. And this particular individual in the town where I live isn't the only one who did it. This happened everywhere. So I want to go through their presentation here because their presentation is timely, it's inaccurate, and they too, much like the Athletic director, ignore the facts 100% with the numbers staring everybody in this PowerPoint presentation that they showed everyone, which you can watch this on YouTube. Talawanda City School District's November 17th board meeting. Look it up. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. They, they show people statistics from a national survey which I'm very familiar with, this national survey. It's a health and wellness survey that is given 
to middle schools and high schools, typically distributed in health education classes, if not a science class, if health education doesn't exist. And it asks students questions anonymously or not anonymously, depending on what, if they want to put their name on it or not. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they ask them questions about drug use. Primarily, that's, that's what they ask them about. They ask them about their own drug use as students. They ask them about their perceptions of drug use among their peers. They ask them about their school's uh, school teachers' perceptions of drug use, how the environment handles such things, et cetera, et cetera. And as a result of all of that, they then submit this back to the state level, these Scantron sheets, and then the results come back to the individual who distributed the, uh, the survey, and then the results are, are shown or shared if they decide that they want to share them. Again, me, myself, I distributed this survey when I taught school. It was my responsibility to do so. In fact, I was, I was partially responsible for changing the survey to some extent and having certain questions added to it that needed to be added, like violence and a variety of other things. Um, here's the problem with, with surveys like this, and the statistics that I'm going to mention here are going to prove it. And they are in her own presentation. When individuals, in particular students, are asked questions about drugs on a survey, they're not going to tell the truth. Some of them are going to tell the truth. Some of them are not. Because the real drug users are nervous about who is going to find out. Even though it's said at the beginning that a, during the, uh, the script that has to be read by the individual who's submitting the survey to the students, i.e. the teacher, typically, that anonymity is, is included within this, but at the exact same time, uh, you know, that they're not going to be found out, so be as honest as you can and don't worry about the answers that you provide because you're not going to get in trouble, whatever else. All of that is said to the students before they take the survey. That does not mean that the students aren't going to believe the person reading the directions, let alone answer these questions honestly. Uh, they tend to be very dismissive and say things like, nope, I never use drug use. Uh, I, I never use drug use. You know what I mean. I've I've never used drugs. I've never had anything to drink. I don't smoke dope. You know, I, I I've never been in a fight. I uh, I don't know anybody who has, or maybe they'll say I know someone who has, but it's not me. What whatever the answers might be, the point is is that they can Christmas tree the entire Scantron thing, and the results are taken seriously by the adults who distribute it. That's a mistake. Here's where this ramped up a bit. It ramps up because they decided in this survey, somewhere along the line, uh, and I don't know when this started, but they included questions involving mental and emotional wellness among students, mental and emotional health, frames of mind, things of that nature. And this was, of course, distributed during the last two years. Now, what's gone on over the last two years that would, that would play a part in the mental and emotional decline of American K-12 school students? We know the answer to that. Does the school district or the wellness coordinator themselves take any responsibility 
for the increase, dramatic increase, in the mental and emotional deterioration of the students within their school district? Absolutely not. There's not a single moment where they say, you know what, we probably did some things that were a huge mistake, and we contributed to this problem, and we should, we should do better next time, and we need to maybe not take things so seriously the next time, if there is a next time. Now, let me get into the exact statistics because it's beyond embarrassing. The first slide says, Health and Wellness Program Update November 2022. Healthy learners are better learners. These people are nuts. The next slide. Talawanda Health Coordinating Council. Whole school, whole community, whole child. WSCC model. I've shown this model before on Gab. I've, t- I've brought this model up before on the show. Multiple, uh, you know, things in a giant wheel, different parameters, sections, and then it all has to do with the students and making them well. It says, quote, to create a healthier community by addressing non-academic barriers to learning, building upon family and community strengths, and involving family members and other community members in all phases of student success. Translation. Government needs to be involved in everything having to do with minors, and if they aren't, there's something wrong with you and something wrong with the minor. The next slide. Student drug use survey. The survey was offered to all students 7th through 12th grade in November of 2021. This is when the shit was hitting the fan big time. You're one year into the mask wearing in school districts. The shots have been rolled out. I've already given my talk within this school district, which went viral. You know that story. It then says, alcohol, tobacco, and other drug use, onset frequency availability, perceived risk, perceived disapproval by peers and parents. I described that earlier. The next bullet point says newer questions, mental health, social, and emotional health. Included additional honesty checks to ensure the validity of the data. That's bullshit. They can't do that. That's impossible. And then it says, rich data set to drive prevention and early intervention programming for the school district and the greater community. Okay, here's the next slide. The next slide says, student reported 30-day use trends among these five drugs. Alcohol, tobacco, marijuana, prescription drugs, and vaping. Dating back to before 20, uh, I'm sorry, 2005. Actually, I'll just start with 2005 because that's the highest peak, allegedly. In 2005, in this school district that I'm describing, alcohol use was almost at 40%. According to the survey, tobacco use was almost at 30%. Marijuana use was at 20%. There was no vaping and allegedly zero prescription drug use in 2005. That's impossible. But it was as high as almost 40% among alcohol. Over the course of time, these lines dropped down to approximately 10%. 
10% among marijuana use, 10% among tobacco use, 10% among alcohol use, and vaping as well. In fact, the tobacco line is below 10%. And then the prescription line and prescription drug use is below 10%. This is what they focused their presentation on by and large because they saw this as seeing a decline in drug use and this was a good thing. And it is a good thing if it's to be if it's to be believed. Here's the next thing which is unavoidable. The next thing that's unavoidable has to do with the questions regarding mental and emotional health. It says the following in this particular slide, this first one. Mental, social, and emotional health questions. Nervous or anxious, 34%. Depressed, sad, or hopeless, 20%. A desire to be alone all of the time, avoiding people and activities, 25%. It gets worse. The next question says, call or I'm sorry, can put yourself out of a bad mood. Can put yourself out of a bad mood. 42.6%. So they're basically saying, but they can recover from it. They can recover from their bad moods. Here's the next slide. Also not good. Mental and emotional health, I'm sorry, mental, social, and emotional health questions. Again, stress-related. Anything... Students experiencing stress, basically. 50%. 50.1%. Suicide ideation, 8.8%. My emotions can cause problems in my life at school, 20.3%. Screen time on school day for non-school work, 53.9%. And then video games have affected schoolwork, 11.6%. The reason that some of these slides and statistics cannot be taken seriously is because it requires the individual taking the survey to tell the truth. There's no way that they can have any kind of a accuracy test for something like this. You you just can't. It's impossible. Now here they are then highlighting in their presentation a primary prevention grant. These grants, again, occur all across the United States in school districts every, everywhere, but the things that they are pushing are actually the problem. Youth-led prevention groups, PACS Good Behavior Games, I've gone over that at length on this show, the PACS Good Behavior Game is indoctrination. Do well but only if you get something materialistic in return. And not learning and not doing schoolwork, so to speak, is the reward. That's what that means. And then it says asset building. Uh, support, I'm sorry, I don't know what it says here. Support something, something, blah, blah, blah. Either way, it's all the games and gimmicks that they think that are solving the problem when in fact they're making it worse. They have breakfast clubs. Uh, student councils, they think that that's helping things. They have particular goals to try to reduce e-cigarette use. Uh, you know, okay. They, they, do, they do this, which is accurate, which has to do with social stigma. That there's a social stigma that goes a along with drug use and societal st social stigma, and that is a major deterrent. And that is true. 
men are men are boys, I should say, adolescent boys are not viewed as being attractive by smart, attractive girls if they use drug use and vice versa. If girls use drugs or drink or are sexually promiscuous by the smartest of the lot among the boys, they don't view those women as being attractive, those girls as being attractive. All of that social stigma plays a, does play a massive role in this. They, they mention that, which is a good thing. But again, they talk about social emotional learning is, is the solution and uh, all of these different acronyms and all of these different programs and how that's solving the problem. It's not solving any problem. The largest statistic that existed was the stress component and the decline of mental and emotional health. The school district itself creates those things with their own policies, their behaviors, their brainwashing, their propaganda, and just believing lies, in particular, again, over the last two years. Did they, again, accept any responsibility for any of that? No. Are they going to in the future? No, because it would expose them. It would expose them for being the propagandists and the government arm of larger government that they already are. Their day is going to come. That's my point. Their day is going to come on all of this. It's already happening. It's going to continue to happen. We aren't even to the worst part of winter yet. And these shots don't go away. They're doubling down on the shot propaganda. I'm shocked that masks haven't come back, but that's the shoe to drop. If that shoe drops, all hell breaks loose. All hell breaks loose. And those board meetings aren't going to be filled with five people. They'll be filled with hundreds. They'll be inviting absolute hell on earth back to their front door. They've caused hell on earth, and they don't know it yet. Because, again, their powers of cognitive dissonance have kicked in, and, and that's the way that they behave. But time is not going to do well for them. The sand is pouring through the hourglass at a faster rate, and they're going to be forced to watch it, like clockwork orange with their eyelids completely taped open as they are exposed to what they themselves were responsible for doing. You've heard me say the jab-injured students, parents, staff members are going to start showing up to these board meetings. And when that happens, you'll know that the Overton window has shifted because that will be the, that will be the, the, the telltale sign that everything is changing and we're moving then into a completely different chapter. And what happened in the past is in the past, but now the seriousness has been kicked into fifth gear. That will happen, mark my words. Okay. Now into jab stuff. And there's, uh, there's a lot of it. I want to start off with this. The individual who sent me the Tyson Trucking Company information, it's incredible. Uh, it's just incredible. This, again, is one example of one major company that's going to have humble pie all over them when this is all said and done. The mandates, the vax push, the mask wearing, everything that they were pushing, which they have allegedly lifted now within the last couple of months, but everything that they pushed back in 2021 is going to destroy them. Again, schools are in that same boat. Pick a, pick a company, pick an organization, 
excuse me, they're all in the exact same boat. In fact, Senator Tom Cotton was going after the CEO of Kroger's a few weeks back, uh, a couple of weeks back for the, uh, actually it was probably just a week ago, um, for a merger that they are attempting to engage in with Albertsons and Harris Teeter and, and whatever else, and basically just becoming one, one name, one store. Because they're losing employees, and when they do that, they're losing money. They're raising their prices, of course. And then the universal kicker, which is Kroger's required all of their employees to get jabbed and wear masks. They also ask them to wear rainbow colors and rainbow hearts, which of course mimic the pride flag stuff, which is what Senator Tom Cotton was focusing on. He should have focused on the jabs and the shot taking. That was the real abomination. Yes, the pride flags and the political stuff and all that gay stuff is is a problem, and it shouldn't be in the workplace. But Kroger's was firing people because they were refusing to wear the aprons that had those rainbow hearts on them. And then, of course, they sued and they won. Now, how often has that happened over the United States in endless companies and endless organizations? It's happened everywhere all of the time. But I want to play this particular audio that was sent to me, and it's on YouTube. Anybody can watch this. This is a message from Phil Van Hook, who is clearly in charge of something regarding the drivers uh, for Tyson, the, f- the, the food company. And this was back in 2021. It only has 662 views. And uh, he's basically giving the message that, well, you'll hear him, but that the drivers need to start taking these shots and that there's now the Tyson requirement for the vaccine. And this is the way that it is. Uh, it's, It's beyond embarrassing. This right here, I'm telling you what, this is going to be an example. This is a a quintessential example of the kind of video that people should archive and then throw it back in the faces of the individuals who made it and say, you complied. You towed the company line. You did what they told you to do. All of the facts have come out. You didn't question anything at the time. What do you have to say for yourself now? This is the this is the the piece the slice if not the whole flipping pie of humble pie that's going to be tossed right back into their faces. This is four minutes long. I want you to give this a listen. It's incredible and it's a perfect example of the kind of message that went out to endless companies, endless employees in particular, when it came to now is the time for you to comply. It's an absolute abomination. But give this a listen right here in three, two, one. Well, good morning. My name is Phil Van Hook, and I just want to talk to our Tyson driver team. Um, August 3rd, Tyson made a mandate of all team members to be vaccinated within the uh, United States uh, Tyson network. Um, we found out the same morning you did, and Maybe that communication was good. Maybe it was communication was bad. But overall, nobody likes to be told what they are and what they're not going to do. So I just wanted to talk to our team and just kind of give you some thoughts that I have. Uh, number one, 
this is a, a step in us taking care of us. And when I say that, um, as um, the mandate came out, I, I thought about many of our drivers. I see their faces, and the, and the last thing I wanted to see happen to them is then be out on the road and sick and have to walk in to a truck stop or uh, take the, the COVID um, home back to, to back to their homes. And I thought of many of your faces. I saw many of your faces. And, and, and I, I go back to the mantra of us taking care of us. I'm going to interject a few things here. I'm going to sort of bounce in and out maybe from time to time just to point out a few things. Did you hear the way that he spun that? Did you hear the way that he just spun the message? There were a couple of things he said there, which of course is first, no one likes to be told what to do and nobody likes to be shocked. But here then he comes and he's going to tell everybody what to do. That's funny. The second thing is that he immediately starts talking about himself and then looking at the faces of his employees. He's twisting it probably. If I was a truck driver for Tyson and I knew what I knew and was listening to a boss of mine tell me that I need to take these shots, the look on my face would be disgust, but it wouldn't be disgust like, oh, wow, I hope everybody gets these shots because I'm going to die if everybody doesn't get these shots, and I need to get this shot because if I don't, I'm going to die from COVID, quote unquote. That's not the disgust. The looks that he probably saw on his truck driver's faces was a big F you. It was probably anger and a big F you like, I'm not doing this. This is nuts. When has this ever happened before in the history of man? It never has. Why now? Why all of a sudden now? Not to mention in just a second, he starts telling a story about how he had COVID and how he was on the couch for 14 days. and What a nightmare it was. Well, was he jabbed or was he shed on? Because COVID doesn't exist. Poison exists that people put into themselves and then shed on other people through proximity not through spitting and sneezing and all that other stuff that you've heard me say, but it's electromagnetism. So he's playing on the emotional component for the lowest common denominator, as if to say that, again, if you don't get jabbed, you're putting people in harm's way. This is humble pie with whipped cream and a cherry on top. I'm going to continue. Here we go. Personal experience, uh, you can probably hear in my voice, I've, I'm just recently recovered from COVID. I've received uh, a positive test on July 28th. Um, Ten days later, I still don't have all my energy back. Um, my uh, my breathing is not as good as it will will be, and we're still working toward that. But I can absolutely tell you, um, I, this is as sick as I've ever been in my life. Probably 14 days that I'll never get back sitting on a couch and uh, difficulty breathing, a lot of coughing, um, no taste. Um, and as I was going through that, all I could think about was I could have done something different. And what that difference is, is, is a vaccine. Uh, again, this is a very emotional issue. It's a very political issue. And again, no one likes to be told what they are and they're not going to do. But I, I can tell you, looking back, I would have done something different. And my family um, has done something different in the meantime. This is no different, in my opinion, 
than what we've done around accidents, what we've done around injuries. Our drivers, uh, we want them to come to work, return back from work, return to their families the same way they came in. Uh, we've put yellow steps, we've put yellow grab handles on our trucks, we put red handles on our trailers to warn our drivers. And we have lowered that risk, we've lowered that exposure in helping our team members stay safe. This vaccine is no different in my opinion. We are lowering the exposure. Our team members are going to be sick, that our team members are going to be hospitalized. I do not want that for our team. Um, so what I'm asking you to do is um, think long and hard. Take all the medical um, and religious uh, mandate and, and exemptions you can. Think through this because this is a personal decision. But I just want to reduce our exposure. I want to help our team uh, maintain their life uh, on the road and off the road. And I want our team members to stay safe. And this is nothing but us taking care of us. Any questions, any concerns, you guys know how my door is always open. I would be glad to discuss just what I've experienced and the uh, changes and the thought processes I've had in my life through the COVID experience. But thank you. I just wanted to reach out and touch base our drivers. Of course, it says, thanks for watching. If you have any questions or concerns, please contact your local Tyson HR representative, because I'm sure they're going to give you the truth. You know, human resources and all. <laughs> Honest to God. Honest to God. I wonder if Phil Van Hook's alive. I wonder if he's alive. I wonder if Phil was one of those guys who got, quote unquote, the COVID and then got jabbed after the fact, you know, for that extra protection. I wonder. I wonder if Phil jabbed his whole family, including his children. There's also this. There's also another Tyson video here that was sent my way, also on YouTube. Anybody can watch this. And it, too, is much like the propaganda videos that were rolled out at the university level. But I want to make mention of this too very quickly. The individual who reached out to me, they said that when they filled out their religious exemption, which was accepted, thank God, that, uh, that they had to include Bible quotes within their religious exemption to prove their stance. I mean, I've seen a lot of religious exemptions. Some of them, you have to have them signed by a pastor. You have to have this, you have to have that. And then, of course, there were a lot of pastors that wouldn't sign them or ministers that would not sign them because they, of course, drank the Jim Jones Kool-Aid, the old Fauci Kool-Aid. They, they swallowed it and then went back for seconds and thirds and more. So it's all tied together. But I'm telling you what, they made, they made a similar move, Tyson that universities made, and it's this. They rolled out a 15-minute video, 14 minutes and 53 seconds, where Phil comes back, and he decides to have a nurse and a medical doctor show up and ask some frequently asked questions and then dispel the rumors. I have to tell you, the way that the nurse, in particular the male doctor, talk down to people, as if only he knows the truth about everything, is so insulting. 
that it, it just continues to prove the larger points that individuals believe that if you have MD behind your name, that you must have it all figured out. You have to keep something in mind, though. That's ingrained in medical school. It's ingrained in medical school to teach medical students who are going to be doctors or want to be doctors that you are the best that society has to offer, that no one will ever know more than you. And if they don't have a medical degree, you shouldn't take them seriously because you've put in the time, you've put in the effort, you've read the books, you've met with the patients, you've engaged in the procedures, and so on and so forth. It is brainwashing 101, without a doubt. I want to give you just one quick taste of what this guy says and how he says it, this medical doctor, so that you can hear again his approach to all of this and how he's talking down to the workers of Tyson and how in the end, this Dr. Young has gotten copious amounts of people killed. So give his voice a listen very quickly. Okay, so let's think about them like this. If you want to know how the, the best way to do it is probably talk about how the natural infection works that would lead to natural immunity from COVID. Meaning this, you get COVID and you get immune to it, so to speak. After, so let's say you're a un, you're an unimmunized, non-immune individual. You got a buddy. You're going on about your business that coughs in your face that spreads COVID to you. So that COVID virus gets in the body. It's got these little sticky things that we call them spike protein. And the purpose of that spike protein is to stick to your cells. Reason for that is this. Viruses, can they're not alive. They cannot replicate. They have to hijack and take over your healthy cells. They have to get in there. They have to use your cellular machinery to make more viruses. And then when that happens, the cell gets sick, the cell dies, then you get sick. What happens is think about it like a if you get infected with, with COVID, it's like an alien invasion. You've got this immune system, and it is very effective, but you don't know your enemy. So you get infected. The immune system says, hey, something's wrong. And it starts just shooting off every possible weapon available to it. These are the frontline troops. And in doing so, you get very sick. And then over the next several days, you get this head-to-head -head battle between you and and COVID. That COVID is trying to make a foothold in your cells and your immune system is trying to get it out by using every available weapon. Well, as days go on of illness, remember at the same time, you're spreading this disease to your loved ones, family members, co-workers, up to seven, which, which with Delta variant, you're going to spread it to on average about seven people. So you're doing this as your immune system's trying to kill this thing. Well, then eventually you call in the special ops troops and they're taking pieces of this virus saying, hey, we've got to figure out a better way to kill this thing. They make antibodies. Those antibodies go on and they bind to the spike protein. Remember, that's the thing that's sticky. It will neutralize, so to speak, that spike protein so it cannot bind. So after you have, if you win that battle against the infection, meaning you survive and it doesn't kill you, your body will then make antibodies. And they're the special troops that says, hey, okay, we've researched the enemy. This is how to kill this thing. Should we meet it again? So then a month down the road, somebody coughs COVID in your face You've got already, you've got the troops ready to roll. They're pumping out antibodies. You don't get sick. The vaccine, what we do when we give you the vaccine is we administer, there's this little small thing called mRNA. That stands for messenger RNA. It's a little piece of instructions that goes into your cell. That instructions is teaching your cell how to make the spike protein, how to make a piece of the spike protein. So without being sick, your body can learn how to make antibodies against it. Same way as infection. 
except you're not sick. So your body's making its own antibodies against that spike protein. So you're calling, you're having like special ops troops being recruited. And then that way they're ready to roll. Let's say somebody later down the road comes in, coughs in your face, you got COVID. You've got these guys that have already researched the enemy. They know he's coming. So they pump out these antibodies already made by your cells naturally. And they bind up this thing so it can't make you sick. So you think about, you got two different ways to go about it. You can either get really sick, potentially die while you're spreading it to coworkers, friends, family members, or the vaccine provides a way to get that same level of immunity, in fact, better without getting sick and without spreading disease. Great. So, of course, with the vaccine, a lot of people are wondering, you know, there's been a lot of talk about adverse reactions. A lot of people have talked about infertility. There's been a lot of um, talk about that it messes up your regular DNA, as well as there have been some talk about I've had really bad reactions to other vaccines. Should I get that? So can you just talk a little bit about the side effects, the infertility, DNA, all that kind of stuff? So mRNA, messenger ribonucleic acid is what that is. That's not, we're DNA things. So when we, our genome is made DNA and that sits in the cell nucleus. This has nothing to do. It does not go anywhere near that nucleus. That mRNA does not affect your your DNA or anything to do with your genetic material. It is only a little piece of instructions that is it's almost like you were sending your immune system an email. That email tells us how to how to do a job, then we delete the email. Um, infertility, there was in uh, around December, there was there was some talk of maybe a vaccine shared a a uh, protein similar to something that might be found in a placenta, but that's been since disproven. And also, if you think about it this way, remember that natural immunity from COVID infection and vaccination are very, very similar, and we have not seen any infertility at all with natural COVID infection. Okay. And with you saying earlier you have a clinic and you have, you go to the hospital and you, you're around COVID 24 hours a day, basically seven days a week. Mm-hmm. How many deaths have you seen from someone becoming vaccinated? Vaccinated deaths, zero that I have personally seen. Now, when when there is a adverse event from a vaccine, it has to be reported to this thing called the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. So in, in, the, in the United States so far, we have administered since December, from December, mid-December to about August the 16th, 357 million vaccines. That's how many have been administered in the United States. And reported deaths related to this are 0.001. Now, here's what's important to remember. You're thinking that sounds, that could be a lot of number. Well, the problem is, is they don't know if those deaths are actually attributed to the vaccine or not. There's no proof. It should, let's say that I got one shot of COVID vaccine and then a week later I got COVID, right? And I died of COVID. That would have to get reported to the vaccine adverse events reporting system. So we don't even know if that tiny, tiny number are actually directly related to the vaccine or not. Now, what we are seeing is COVID-related deaths. So the, the deaths related to getting COVID naturally far outweigh any any risks that the vaccine might, uh, any risk from the vaccine. There was one more. What was it? Um, common side effects, arm pain, redness, rash, headache. Some people are getting a little bit of fever. I remember when I got mine, I got very sore for about two days. I didn't have any severe side effects. We're seeing very, very minimal, real, actual, real side effects from the saying other than being sore. If you listen closely and you take a big, deep breath through your nose, you can smell the humble pie being cooked right now. You can smell it, and it smells glorious. 
and it smells frightening, and it smells glorious at the exact same time. Every word that that Dr. Young just said is a lie. Every single word. Every word. You can see him, by the way, throughout the 14 straight minutes, almost 15 minutes. He's becoming exhausted. So <laughs> he's just getting more and more tired. Here's what's, here's what's happened. He's read an email. He's memorized it. He's believed the story, and now he's just repeating the story. That's all. He's just repeating things that aren't real. It's the world's worst game of telephone. In fact, in the next segment, I, I won't play it. Again, here you can find this. It's uh, Driving for Tyson Foods, I believe, is the channel. Answering your questions and concerns, dash, Dr. Young. That's the whole video. Look it up on YouTube and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. In the next thing, the nurse tells him that it has full FDA approval. That the shots have full FDA approval and that's great. And then ask the question, well, if it has full FDA approval, why isn't it available for kids? Of course it is now, but no, it doesn't have full FDA approval. It never has. It never will. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, it is about, you know, the special forces and the special forces coming in and they're like special forces. I mean, they are ready to attack the COVID when we get the COVID. And if you cough in your butt's, you know, face and you cough all over him, you know, you could kill him. So you need to be real careful and, you know, make sure and get them jabs because, you know, they give you that extra level of protection. No one has died. Don't be alarmed. No one has died. How, how do they don't even hear themselves? They, they don't even hear themselves talk. Again, I wonder if Dr. Young is alive. I wonder if Dr. Young has run to the hills with a backpack on because a mob is chasing him. I wonder if he still uh, is associated with his practice. I wonder if he's giving any more talks about the efficacy of all of this. I wonder if he's killed himself. Because that's going to happen. These people are going to kill themselves for what they have done. They have been useless idiots, or useful idiots rather, in the world's largest depopulation agenda that has ever taken place in the history of man. They towed the company line. They shook the hands. They didn't ask the questions. And they think they're going to make it. Nope. That's not how the world works. The world does not work that way. The next story. This comes from Threadreader. And this has to do with an, uh, an individual within the pharmaceutical industry. I'm just going to read this very quickly. There's about 15 bullet points on this. Bear with me. It's interesting, I think. It says the following, and this is just from a couple of days ago. It says, number one, new thread on why I think shit is going to hit the fan starting in the first quarter of 2023. I'm also going to drop some names here. I'm going to need to word this thread carefully to avoid lawsuits. These are just personal opinions amongst me and my pharma industry colleagues. This comes from Aussie17 on Twitter. At underscore Aussie 17. It says, number two, there are a lot of similarities between this developing scandal in pharma and what happened in Twitter. 
if some of you have been following the hashtag Twitter files. In the beginning, everyone was simply pointing the blame at Jack Dorsey because he was the CEO of Twitter. Number three, it says, the truth is a lot of shit sometimes happens below the CEO and the CEO is largely unaware. Doesn't mean they are blameless. In Twitter, there are largely two big pillars that run the business. One is the tech, led by Jack, and one is the information manipulation, led by Vajaya, that gal. It then says, similarly, in pharma, we have two giant pillars that run the business. One is the commercial, and one is research and development, quote-unquote. Often in pharma, these two groups are always at odds with each other. At the commercial side, we often say, why don't we just contact or contract, rather, our R&D. At the research and development side, they often say, why don't we just contract out the sales and marketing? Anyway, most of the time, the CEO is someone who comes from the commercial side or finance. But they are the ones who push R&D for new profitable drugs. Commercial guys tend to get a close eye when it comes to safety. In their mind, profit is all that matters. There's always a push for profit, and if anything goes wrong, they can blame R&D. It says the folks in R&D are the ones who give green lights for a drug to go to market. They are the ones who do all the clinical trials and monitor drug safety issues. They are the ones who decide fundings on research, work with publishers to get the narrative science pushed. In other words, the senior fig figures in charge of R&D are the equivalent of the Vijaya Gad in Twitter. They are also the first ones to see any drug safety signals, i.e. if there's a problem with a drug. If you watch the clip below, Albert Borla said, quote, I was surprised that they suggested hashtag mRNA was the way to go. When he said they, he's referring to R&D. This is a shocking statement because Borla just threw his R&D under the bus. Throwing his R&D under the bus is very telling of the pressure he is facing. Usually, CEOs do not throw their R&D under the bus because it hurts future high-potential hires. You need great people in R&D to continue finding profitable drugs. Or, fund, yeah, finding profitable drugs. Uh, it then says... The second thing that tells me why the shit is going to hit the fan in quarter one of 2023 is the retirement of key executive of the key executive in Pfizer who is responsible for R&D for the vaccine division. She announced her resignation around April of 2022. Katherine Jansen, the leader of Pfizer's vaccine R&D group, has decided to retire, and the company's chief scientific officer, uh... Michael Dolston said in a LinkedIn post, it continues, the thread does, and it says the following. This tells me that she has some new internal data that showed a worrisome trend, and she announced her retirement. There might be other reasons too, but she might have factored it into her retirement. Working in pharma, I can tell you that if you create or you created a real wonder drug that saved the world from a pandemic, you ain't going to retire. You tend to work forever because of a superstar status, quote unquote. The company will pay whatever it takes to keep you. The second person who retired was Matai 
Mammon, if I'm saying that right, who is the R&D chief for the J&J. He announced his retirement in August 8th of 2022. Guess who else announced their retirement in August 2022? Yes, Mr. Fauci himself announced his retirement 14 days after Mr. Mammon. If it's a Mr. or a Mrs., whatever, don't know. A coincidence, they said? This is why we think shit is going to hit the fan in quarter one of 2023. It will take some time for things to develop after that, but I believe it will start with the recall of the mRNA. They're, oh, that's huge. That's flipping huge. If they actually recall it across all platforms, uh-oh. Uh-oh. It then wraps up. It says the key figures who launched this vaccine are leaving. If you wonder why the CEO hasn't left yet, that's because he's already established a defense using these people as fall guys. If you'd like to read more about pharma, read the collection of subthread below this thread. Again, that's from at underscore Aussie, A-U-S-S-I-E 17 on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it has anything to do with this. Published this month. I'm sorry, uh, the end of last month, very recently, in the Journal of Medical Ethics, title, quote, COVID-19 vaccine boosters for young adults, a risk-benefit assessment and ethical analysis of mandate policies at universities. Uh-oh. What's happening here? It says the following. Here's the abstract. Quote, in 2022, students at North American universities with third-dose COVID-19 vaccine mandates risk disenrollment if unvaccinated. To assess the appropriateness of booster mandates in this age group, we combine empirical risk-benefit assessment and ethical analysis. To prevent one COVID-19 hospitalization over a six-month period, we estimate that 31,207 to 42,836 young adults aged 18 to 29 years must receive a third mRNA vaccine. It then says booster mandates in young adults are expected to cause a net harm. I'll repeat that. Booster mandates in young adults are expected to cause a net harm. Per COVID-19 hospitalization prevented, we anticipate at least 18.5 serious adverse events from mRNA vaccines, including 1.5 to 4.6 booster-associated myocarditis cases in males, typically requiring hospitalization. You've heard me say again, myocarditis is a death sentence, because it is. There's no curing it. We also anticipate, it says, 1,430 to 4,626 cases of grade less or greater than three reactogenicity interfering with daily activities, although typically not requiring hospitalization. University booster mandates are unethical because they, number one, are not based on an updated Omicron-era stratified risk-benefit assessment for this age group. Two, may result in a net harm to healthy young adults. 
three are not proportionate. Expected harms do, are not outweighed by public health benefits given modest and transient effectiveness of vaccines against transmission. Four, violate the reciprocity principle because serious vaccine-related harms are not reliably uh, compensated due to grasp, I'm sorry, gaps in vaccine injury schemes. And five, may result in wider social harms. We consider counterarguments, including efforts to increase safety on campus, but find these are fraught with limitations and little scientific support. Finally, we discuss the policy relevance of our analysis for primary series COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Unquote. It's the collapse. It's the complete and utter collapse as a result of everything associated with the shots. It is here. It is going to get worse. That's what that's what's happening. That right there is a perfect example of the kinds of scientific articles that I've been discussing that are making their way now to the forefront of major publications that are calling out entire swaths of American and global society, the university and all their mandates. There it is. There's the proof right there. I will include a link to that journal article in the description below. That right there, ladies and gentlemen, is your medical exemption in one article for anything ever, in particular if you want to still attend these colleges and universities. I recommend online. That's me personally. You've heard me say it before. Purdue Global University has an all-online university. I recommend you go there. Walden University, same thing. I, I don't recommend going to a brick-and-mortar university. Again, indoctrination aside for just a second, when the shit hits the fan, with all of this martial law that's coming down the line and the policies and procedures and the humble pie that's going to be tossed everywhere, you don't want your child anywhere near those individuals and you don't want them anywhere in those environments. Not ever. You're going to watch... Good Lord, you're going to watch uh, all hell break loose. But what a time to be alive. I'm going to end with two things here. First of all, I'm reminded of something that my dad brought up a number of years ago, and I mean way before 2020. He used to say, and he's of the baby boomer generation, he's wide awake, knows fully what's going on, got out of higher ed just in time. He said, uh, with all of these baby boomers retiring and getting older, you're going to need a one-stop shop for people of this generation to receive real, actual health care. Not sick care, not you know this, that, and the other, but make their necessary appointments that they need to make. And they, it needs to be in a one-stop shop, like a shopping mall kind of thing. His first suggestion, and I'm talking like at least a decade, maybe even two decades ago, he said this. He said, what if you took all of the shopping malls that no longer exist now that are vacant 
and we know where they are because we've we've seen them. But what if you took them and you turned those into one-stop shops for everything medical related? A person could show up and get their eyes checked and get glasses and contacts. A person could show up and make a doctor's appointment for whatever they wanted. There would there would be a pharmacy there if a person wanted that or needed that, like my dad does, for example. If you needed uh, any any other kind of care, it would all be there. Everything in one space. Dentist, like I said, eye doctor, ear, nose, and throat, uh, specialists, cancer doctors, you name it. All of them in one spot. You could even have, again, in those spots, you could have, uh, what did he say? Long-term care, like the nursing home status and, and that sort of thing. He was using shopping malls in the, as the example at the time. And again, this was approximately 20 years ago when I first heard him start to talk about that. What about American K-12 schools and universities? When the collapse ultimately arrives, what are you going to do with all of those buildings? You're going to need them for something. Why not turn them into what my dad was suggesting? A one-stop shop for holistic doctors and holistic medicine with real health care. Not sick care, but real health care. That's one way, I think, ladies and gentlemen, that you can turn things around in this country when the collapse occurs. Take those very nice, expensive, beautiful university buildings and American K-12 schools that they're building and turn them into places like this. In fact, the irony is thick here. You could take the K-12 universities and turn them into prisons to throw all of these doctors and nurses who, you know, engaged in all of this malpractice this entire time, turn them into prisons and throw them in there. Keep the nicer university settings, if you have them, and turn them into places that actually have knowledgeable nurses and doctors who know the truth about the entire medical industry and seek to help people who actually need it. That's how you overhaul this country. Take the former institutions that destroyed this country and turn them into the exact opposite of what they have been this entire time. Food for thought, who knows? Could be a valuable prediction in the uh, years, if not decades, to come. Here's the last thing, again, on a good note here. If you're paying attention to what is going on in South America right now, or you're not paying attention to it, my recommendation is you start paying attention. Militaries are taking over the countries in South America. This is happening. It's happening in El Salvador, Brazil, Peru, you name it. The military is involved now. It's green light go. The military has taken over the political arm of these countries. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, it proves endless Q posts to be correct that this is the plan. It is happening. And it's only a matter of time before that trigger gets pulled right here in our country. We're talking months away from something going down, without a doubt. I have no doubt in my mind that that's the case. So at the exact same time as very horrific things are happening, very good things are happening as well. 
That's the yin and the yang of the world we live in. No doubt about it. Okay. Here's what I want to do. I'm just going to end with a little musical tune here. I've had some people reach out to me in the past. They, they say that they love the war videos that I put out on my BitChute channel. Uh, they love the memes, the music, and uh, I appreciate the compliments. I'm going to keep making those because I think they're cool. And, uh, you know, it's a nice red pill for a lot of people and uh, some white pills in there as well. But uh, I, I've gotten some comments on the music and what people think about the music and how they dig the music. And, and one of the musicians that I play on there with, with some regularity is Justin Johnson. I don't know if you know who he is, but Justin Johnson is an amazing guitar player. He's on uh, YouTube. He has a channel, Justin Johnson. Highly recommend checking him out. He even makes his own, uh, he's, he makes his own guitars. Makes his own three-string guitars also, including out of uh, ammo boxes and cigar boxes. They're beautiful works of art, and he can play the ever-living hell out of them. And it's amazing. So I'm going to end the 400th episode here with one of my favorite tunes, and it's a cover that he does of Leonard Skinner's Gimme Back My Bullets. It's a great, it's, it's just a great rendition of it. I just wanted to let you hear it. I, again, I've included it in the war videos in the past, but I'm going to round out the episode with this. Have a great weekend, everybody. 400 episode. Let's give it 400 more. Let's keep going. Uh, I'll catch you on Monday. Enjoy the music. Peace.
Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.